1: Shines like the sun in all of its brilliance. The King of glory. The King above all kings. This is amazing. say So see. sweet so
0: As a praise. Um, and you know, I'd just like to share it with everyone. Uh, in 2017, I was diagnosed with uh, bladder cancer. And it was a pretty serious uh, type of cancer. And so I, I have a brother that's a cardiologist, so he, he set me up with a surgeon from the Cleveland Clinic. And I went in and I talked to him. The surgeon said, well, we're going to have to put you through a surgery. You're going to be in the hospital for a week. And you'll be in, in a lot of pain for uh, the first couple of days. But he says, we, we will get you through this. So I went through the surgery around Thanksgiving of 2017. Um, I, I ended up back in my room. Um. An intern came in and talked to me. And the intern uh, said, okay, on a scale of uh, zero to ten, what is your pain level? And zero being low pain and, and ten being extreme pain. And I looked at this guy and I said, it's a zero. And, and he had a, a puzzled look on his face. And I said, the reason I don't have any pain is because a lot of people were praying for me. And and at that moment, I realized how strong prayer is and that God is not limited in in his ability to do anything. So I spent four and a half days in the hospital instead of the week I was supposed to. The strongest thing I had for the whole week was Tylenol. Um, They had me all set up with this thing that uh, all I had to do was push a button and narcotics would be put in my system. I never had to push the button. So that's a praise every six months. Then I have a CAT scan and um, I was okay for a while. And then the pandemic came along and, you know, then I, I stopped going, going one day I was lifting a wheelchair out of the car and I felt a twinge in my back. So I, I said something to the doctor and somehow he recommended a PET scan. I took a PET scan. They found a small uh, thing on the PET scan uh, around L2, lower back. And, you know, so he says, well, we need to biopsy this. So I went to the Cleveland Clinic and I'll tell you what, biopsy is not fun. They had these big long needles they would stick in your back. And so, you know, it came back that that, the cancer had returned. So the doctor recommended eight chemotherapy sessions, which I went through and and then they did an MRI and a CT scan. And they said, well, the spot is getting smaller, but you have a few nodules in your lungs. So so he says, I think you need four more chemotherapy treatments. So I went through those four more chemotherapy treatments I was given another MRI and CT scan. And a couple of weeks ago, uh, the doctor says, well, it looks like everything's fine. You don't have cancer. Yes. <laughs> now, the thing that got me through was the fact that the Holy Spirit was with me yes. the, through my surgeries, through the biopsies, through the chemotherapy treatments, I don't know how I would have got through it without that. So I think it's very, what I learned throughout this whole thing is the strength of prayer, uh, the the fact that uh, being sanctified with the Holy Spirit with you is probably the the best thing that could ever happen. Now, I don't know what's going to happen to me in the future, but, but I do know whatever I faced, I'll face with the... Holy Spirit, and they 'll be with me and and the other thing is my wife Sharon, went through five years of me going through all this, and, and I know one thing about her she 's a prayer warrior, she prayed for me, and I know when, another thing she prayed for, she prays for everybody in this church Amen. all the time, and she prays for strangers that look like they 're in distress <laughs> she approaches people I would never approach. My favorite passage now is in, in, in Philippians 4:13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Amen. Thank you.
2: Thank you, George. Please turn your Bibles to Matthew 5:38 and Luke chapter 10, verse 25. Matthew 5:38 and Luke chapter 10, verse 25. When, when people ask me, why do you believe in God, I've told you, my first answer is because he's totally changed my life. He's flipped it upside down. Once in a blue moon, they follow up and they ask the question, how so? And I would have to say that probably the most transformative thing that I think has changed in my life is how I see people how I look at people. Probably the most transparent. Do I have a ways to go in that? Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) But I've come a long ways too as well. Uh, You know, seeing how God looks at people himself has been a huge challenge for me and it continues to be a huge challenge to this day. Uh, On top of that, knowing how he views me, right? Knowing how he looks at me um, has challenged me and how I view other people. And that's what I really want to look at today. And he's changed my heart in a big way in this area. Uh, Yeah, still some room for improvement. But today, I want you to think, how do you view people? How do you view people around you? How do you interact? Because how you view them dictates how you interact with them. Jesus loved people, and that should Challenge us. Jesus didn't love the easy to love people. He loved the hard to love people. And when we start loving people the way He did, it changes us. It changes us. Uh, What do you mean? It frees you, right? It frees you. It it gives you purpose. It gives you direction. It lightens you. (laughs) It's so much easier. Hard, but so much easier when you change how you view people. And, and I tell you what, that's what people are looking for today. They, they're looking for purpose. They're looking for direction in their life. They're looking for somebody to take this weight off of them. And that's what we have. That's what we can offer to people. Uh, here's the challenge though, right? It's, it's easy to love certain people. And it's hard to love others. There are some people that it's hard to love. It's easy to go the one mile. It's easy to go mile one with people. It's hard to go mile two. Sometimes you're asked to go that second mile, and sometimes it's hard. It's really hard. Some people are, are hard to love, they're difficult to love. Some of you in here, I'm sure, sometimes I have moments where I am difficult to love. Some people are needy. Some people backstab you. Some people complain about you. Some people are just really messy. I mean, really messy. I'm not talking cleanliness. Their lives are really messy. Our culture doesn't help anything, right? Our culture doesn't help anything in this area. Think about this. Is your list of people that annoy you getting bigger or smaller? Right? (laughs) If you are on Facebook, I guarantee you your list is getting bigger. Right? You cannot be on Facebook and your list is getting smaller. Um, I I think Facebook just gives you uh, numerous reasons not to like people. The good news, though, is that God gives us the ability to take us where we're at and take us deeper in our capacity to love people. And that's what's needed today. Even mile two people. That's what we want to look at today. People that we didn't think we were even capable of loving. He can supernaturally do that. Some of you have, have Rough lives, right? Some of you had some really rough lives. It's not all sunshine and rainbows. It's not. And if you were just left to let your past dictate how you view people, you probably would be in this place of being ultra guarded, callous, right? Bitter, where you just couldn't trust anyone because of your past. A place that really no one wants to be in. But I'm here to testify that God can change all that. Right? God can take you to a place where you didn't think you could. Man, for the last two decades of my life, God has been deepening in this. And it wasn't just like all of a sudden a big cliff, you know, that I fell off and it just changed. But it's been day after day, week after week, year after year, just taking me deeper and deeper and deeper in this respect. And like I said at the beginning, do I still have a ways to go? Yeah, I do. But I can see the difference that he's made in my life. There are people that I should hate, that I can honestly say I love, I care about. I want them to find Christ, right? People who come up to me at work and, and, and man, really hammer me. Man, I can look at that and look beyond that. And I want them to know the person that changed my life. I want them to know my Savior. And that changes how I interact with them, right? And I know it does for you as well. Jesus has loved us to, to love the hard people. Whatever category you put in people in, right, we, we love to put people into categories. Messy, mean, hurtful, annoying, people that just get under your skin and you'd rather just avoid, right? Whatever category you put people in, God puts them in a completely different category. And he can change how you see them. You can love them. And I think we've got a, a good example in our passage today. Well, let's get into it. Matthew 5, 38. Can, can we just pray for a moment? Because I don't know about you, but I, I want to hear God's word directly in my heart, right? I want to hear what He's wants to teach us what he wants us to hear. And I know what he wants me to hear is probably different than what he wants you to hear. He's got, a, he's got a message to you from his word. So let's pray that that happens, right? Father, I just thank you for today. I thank you for your word. Lord, your word is a lamp unto our feet, right? It directs our path. It doesn't make the path straight uh, as opposed to removing all the rocks or anything like that removing all the difficulties, but it helps us navigate all that. Yes, it is a straight path, Lord. Father, direct us. Call us through your word. Speak to us. Lord, I pray that, like I said in my opening prayer, I pray that our hearts would be soft and that we'd hear from you. Lord, have your way. In your name we pray. Amen. Matthew chapter 5, beginning at verse 38. You have heard the law that says the punishment must match the injury an eye for an eye, and a tooth for a tooth. But I say, do not resist an evil person. If somebody slaps you on the right cheek, offer the other cheek also. If you are sued in court and your shirt is taken from you, give your coat too. Uh, What I believe Jesus is saying here is, listen, there are going to be evil, disrespectful people in your life. People that are going to cheat you. People that are going to deceive you. People that are going to take from you. And I don't want you to react to them. Don't repay them. Don't get caught up in that game. I don't know about you, but I've got caught up in that game quite a few times. Don't avoid them. Instead, have an attitude of love towards them. Now, don't take this too far the other way, right? Your, your attitude behind your response should be rooted in love. So that doesn't mean we enable people. We just let people abuse us, right? But how do we see them when they do? How do we react to them? Everything has to be rooted in love. Sometimes that's tough love. Sometimes that means doing hard things, difficult things. Sometimes that means disciplining things and people, right? But we can't let it jade us. We can't let it change our how we see these people. We need to, to love them, truly love them, right? We, we accept the insults, and we don't insult back. We respond with compassion. And if they insult us again, right, we take it. It's okay because we genuinely care about their souls. We genuinely care about where they're at if they know Christ. So if it takes letting somebody cuss us out, right, we don't cuss them out back. We don't repay the evil for evil. We're different. We're different. And because we're different, people wonder why. And hopefully that starts a conversation. Verse 41, if a soldier demands that you carry his gear for a mile, carry it two miles. Give to those who ask, and don't turn away from those who want to borrow. At the time this was said, you you know this, Israelites were required. They, They were living under foreign occupation. They were living under the Roman rule. And the law said that if a Roman soldier asked you to pick up and carry something, you had to stop whatever you were doing and carry that for a mile. His equipment, his whatever he wanted you to do, you had to pick up and carry that. Didn't matter if you were busy, right? Didn't matter if it was your daughter's birthday party and you were celebrating that. They could just come up to you, grab you, and you would be forced to carry that one mile. The Jews hated this law as much as they hated the Romans. Think about how much this would interfere with what you were doing. Think about this as if this was a law today, right? Think about doing something that helps your enemy too, right? Stupid, bossy, arrogant, entitled, lazy Romans. Add your own adjectives in there. Do you have a boss like this? Or maybe be somebody in your own life. Carry your own stuff, right? I'm busy. I'm working. I'm doing something productive. I've got important things to do. And here is Jesus, and he says, "Don't just do what you're asked to do. Don't just do what you're required to do. Don't just do what's expected. Don't just carry it one mile. Go two. Go two. Are you kidding me? Right. Are you kidding me? These are the enemy. These are the lazy managers at my work, right? Not at my work. I don't have any. But I'm already busting my butt. Or these are the entitled customers that I'm already waiting on and serving. No way I feel like helping or going any more. I'm just going to do what's required of me. I'm just going to do what I'm supposed to do, right? Yeah, but Jesus says go too. Why? Because hopefully these people see you see you doing this and it stumps them right hopefully it causes them to really wonder why in the world would this person do this go out of their way to help me out and what if it what if it led to them coming to the realization that you do it because you actually care about them these people know they're jerks right you know you're a jerk when you're a jerk these people know that. And if you don't respond the way they think you should respond, man, what, why? Why is this person like this? Hopefully it gets them to, to, to wonder. Hopefully it gets them to start a conversation with you. Hopefully it gets them to open a door that allows you to share the good news with them and the reason why you actually care about them, which we'll talk about here in a minute. Jesus wants you to see people as he sees them. He wants you to love people as he loves them. It's hardcore Christianity. It's mile two Christianity. Mile one Christianity is easy. Most people in church are just good with the mile one Christianity. It's easy to love people that love you, right? Mile two asks you to love people that hate you. People that hate Christianity, hate everything about you, right? Jesus gives an, a, an example of this in Luke chapter 10. If you turn there, Luke chapter 10, verse 25, probably one of the clearest examples that gets to the heart of this matter, and you know this story. Luke 10, 25 says this One day, an expert in the religious law stood up to test Jesus by asking him this question Teacher, what should I do to inter- inherit eternal life? Jesus replied, what does the law of Moses say? How do you read it? The man answered, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, right? With all your soul, with all your strength, and all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. Right, Jesus told him. Do this, and you'll live. But, there's always a but, right? But the man wanted to justify his actions, and so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? Anyone in here relate to this guy and you find yourself having to justify your actions? Well, this person had it coming. This person deserved it. This person shouldn't have done this. This person is getting what they deserve. I was just doing the same thing. Yeah, if you're justifying your actions, if you're the person that has to constantly justify your actions, that should be a red flag, right? Check out where that's coming from. Or have you ever been around the person that seems to know the right answers, seems to be able to quote Scripture or the Bible, and yet you know their heart doesn't get it? That's me sometimes. I'm the guy sometimes is justifying my behavior right i'm the guy who's got the list of people that i don't care for i don't care about i got the list of people i want to avoid but jesus wants to change that he wants to change that and he's trying to get this guy to really figure out what it's all about he's trying he's trying to change his perspective and that's what Needs to happen. So he drops a parable. He drops a story in verse 30. A Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. Anyone listening to this would know this road. They would know this place. They would immediately notice hey, this guy shouldn't have been traveling alone. That's kind of dumb, right? He's traveling from Jerusalem to Jericho. That's a rough road, 17 miles, full of caves and cliffs, caves that people can hide on, cliffs that people can throw you down. It's called the Pass of Blood. That's what they called it back then because it was so rough. And here's this guy traveling the Pass of blood by himself. Robbers come up to him. They strip him of his clothes, beat him, and left him half dead beside the road. So not only is this guy robbed, right? They go even further. They take it even further. They strip him of his clothes. They leave him exposed. They go above and beyond in the beating, in the actual robbing. They, They leave him half dead, right? This guy's left with hope. He's in a helpless position. You might say, this guy has no chance if someone doesn't intervene. Right? There's no hope for this guy. Jesus continues, By chance a priest came along. Oh good, right? But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed over to the other side of the road and passed him by. The temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there but he also passed by on the other side. Just once I would like the Bible to make women doing this instead of it's always a guy messing up, right? So here's a priest, a pastor-type person, and a temple assistant, some translations say a Levite. Both it says, say, see this man, and what do they do? What do they do for this man who has no chance? They avoid him. Pass by. Here's the thing: this isn't some four-lane highway, too. They aren't going to the other side of the street and the sidewalk on the other side. This is a path, and even if they're moving to the other side of the road, they're coming right up next to this guy. They're going to see him. They're going to come close to this guy. They see he has no chance to make it, but they still move over to the other side of the road in their heart, right? The two guys that should have helped him out, the two guys that were capable in helping him out, the two guys that should have had the character to help this guy out, avoid the guy. Why? Well, that's the point of a parable, is to make us wonder why and think why, right? We can come up with all sorts of things. Maybe they're too busy. Maybe they're on the way to church and didn't want to be late for church, Right? Maybe they just see the mess and the work and all the effort that this is going to take. And it's too much of a hassle. It's going to take too much money. It's going to take too much time. It's going to be super inconvenient. Maybe they just jump to conclusions. You ever do that? Do that? Oh, geez, another guy on the side of the road, right? Dude's probably doing drugs. Probably did something to put him in this place. Got himself into this mess. After all, he's naked, right? I'm not going to, it's not going to do any good if I help this guy out. He's just going to be right back there. Maybe they're just worried about their own safety. Look, he got jumped in this area. If I help him, maybe I'm going to get jumped. And so they move over to the other side of the road so they can avoid him. Not even guilt. Not even guilt could make them help this guy, right? They knew the commandments. They knew what they were called to do, what they were supposed to do. They knew they should help them. And I know they felt guilty. How do I know? Because every time I've crossed over to the other side of the road, right, I've felt that guilt from doing it. Verse 33, Then a despised Samaritan came along. Oh my, did Jesus did just go there? Yes, he did. A Samaritan? You know the story. Jews hated Samaritans. Samaritans hate Jews. I don't know if you know this, but that still goes on to this day. If you go into a Samaritan village, you will still find this hatred and and vice versa. So Jesus adds in a Samaritan, and you can just feel it, right? He's going to make the Samaritan the hero. Who's the person that you despise in your life? Who's the people group that you despise in your life? Add that person's name or that group in here, right? Then a despised Samaritan came along, and when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. Going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins, telling him, take care of this man, If his bill runs higher than this, I'll pay you the next time I'm here. Notice the despised Samaritan saw the man, just like the priest and the Levite, right? Just like the other two. He saw the man, the man that he should have hated, the man that his culture told him to hate, right? The man that he knew hated him, the man he wasn't supposed to have anything to do. And, And... so he felt guilty and he helped him. Guilty? No. He felt compassion. He felt compassion. He had a stirring in his heart. I wonder if, just, if, if compassion is just God stirring <laughs> our hearts because that's usually the way that we reach out to people. That's usually what allows God to work through us is that compassion. It's Our heart goes out to them. The word compassion here is only used in the Bible whenever Jesus' name is mentioned and when Jesus sees people. That's the only place that we see this word for compassion used. Jesus sees, sees people in dire need, and he heals them. He helps them. He reaches out to them. He feeds them, and it blows my mind, right, It blows my mind that the God of the universe cares for us like that, sees us like that, is willing to reach out and to help us. After he sees him, the text says he goes over to him, maybe better translated, he goes down to him. The Samaritan goes down and meets this man in the ditch, in his brokenness, in his shame. He doesn't pass by and say, I'm praying for you. Good luck, right? He doesn't pass by and throw him some money. He brings this man into his life. starts a relationship with him. He gets up close. And guess what? It's going to be messy for him, right? It's going to be messy for him. He's going to have to pick up this bloody guy who's naked, put him on his own donkey. It's going to be inconvenient for him. He's going to have to sacrifice. Right now, he can't ride his donkey. He can't just leave this guy on this path though. This path is obviously dangerous. He's got to get him to a place where he can get healed up. A place where some people will watch over him, right? And he stays with the guy until the next day. That's inconvenient. That's a change in his plans. Notice the Samaritan isn't doing it to clear his conscience, right? Because he says he's coming back. He's going to come back and check on this guy. He's going to pay for any bills that he incurs. If he's just doing this good deed, if he's just one and done, if he's just mile one type Christian, right? He's done his good deed. He's done. Now he's somebody else's problem. But no, he's coming back. He genuinely cares for this person and wants to see him get better. He's willing to sacrifice more time more money he's coming back my friends this is mile two stuff this is mile two stuff this is what the church was made for i i preached the story of the good samaritan and the, the title of that was you're no good samaritan back in 2020 i don't know if you were here or remember that but the crux of this message was who do you place yourself in the shoes of in this story right who are you in this story and i said really we're not the good samaritan And I still go with that thinking today. I still think that, right? The the good Samaritan is really a picture of Jesus Christ. He is the ultimate good Samaritan. Even the part about him coming down and meeting this man in the ditch, right? Isn't that a picture of Jesus? Jesus came down to this earth, met us in the ditch, right? Got into the ditch with me, bandaged this guy up, cares for this guy, saves him, and then what does he do? He brings them to the inn, and I said, really, that's us. We're the innkeepers. We're the church. We're the safe place for people to be brought so that they can heal, so that we can help them heal. That's who we are. God brings people and puts them into our paths so that we can continue to do what he started to do. God brings broken, half-dead people that need need a place to heal, need a family, right? A family that will genuinely care for them, love them. family that will tell them the truth, right? But a family that will do so with grace. That's our calling. What an amazing calling that we get to be a part of as the church. That should get you excited, right? Who is God putting into your path today? Who can you invite into this family? Who can you help? I love that picture. At the same time, though, God does call us to participate with what he is doing as the Good Samaritan. So you're called to do things that the Good Samaritan does. He stirs our hearts with compassion. He goes after people that don't know Christ, right? That aren't in the church. And he invites us to come along. He invites us to be his hands and feet. And yeah, it's messy. It's difficult. It's mile two type of stuff. Sometimes we try and it blows back in our faith. Sometimes we try and we're taken advantage of, right? Sometimes we try and we get dirty and nothing good comes from it. So it's a good thing that we're mile two type of people. It's a good thing that we don't repay evil for evil. It's a good thing that when somebody insults us, we don't insult them back. We're the type of people that turn the other cheek. It's a good thing we're not just mild one type of people because we're called to be different jesus included the priest and the levite or the church worker on purpose in this parable right think about that he included the church people and made them kind of the bad guys that should be a wake-up call for us they weren't the hero right He's trying to get them to learn something. He's trying to get the religious leaders to learn something. He's trying to get you and I to learn something, right? We can't be the people that cross over. We can't be the people that avoid people. We've got to be mile two type of people. The religious people were just mile one type of people in here. Mile one, yeah. I guarantee you they did good things. I guarantee you the religious people in here did good things. They went to church, they gave their money. They served, they preached, right? The priest, I'm sure he's preaching. They taught, they helped their brothers and sisters. They sang, they led worship. Insert whatever you want in here. That's my one people. That's the easy stuff. But when they got out of church, they lost their focus, they lost their perspective. When they saw people trapped in addiction to drugs, maybe, hurting in some way, right? that weren't their brothers and sisters, weren't people that they're supposed to love, they crossed over to the other side. They dropped what they were carrying at the end of mile one. I did my mile. Don't ask me to go two. I am justified. This is not part of my ministry, right? I'm called to just do this. And after all, these are the enemy. They couldn't see past that. There were people like this person who hurt them that they couldn't get over. So they got what they deserved. They didn't want anything to do with them. Verse 36, Now which one of these three would you say was a neighbor to the man who was attacked by the bandits? Jesus asked. The man replied, The one who showed him mercy. Then Jesus said, Yes. Yes now go do the same. Mile one people know mercy. Mile one people know mercy. Mile two people show mercy. Our people of mercy. That's who we're called to be. Jesus said, go do it. Go do likewise. Go do the same. It's a high calling. It's a tough calling. It's a selfless calling. It's a dangerous calling. It's an extremely difficult calling. It's a dirty, bloody calling, but it's the calling of Christ though. Amen? Amen? To join in with him in going after the lost. We're called to be mile two type of people. We're the people that love the difficult to love people. We're the people that serve the difficult to serve people. We love the people that don't think like us, don't look like us, don't have the same beliefs that we do. We still love them in hopes of bringing them to Christ. We're the outcast Samaritans called to love the Jewish people that hate them. How do you do that? You can't do mile two because of guilt. Listen, guys, if you're in a church and you're using guilt to motivate people, stop. Stop. Right? If I ever use guilt to motivate you, you call me on it and stop me because it does not work. It's gotta be his love inside of us that motivates us. I know there are people out here that have hurt you. It might seem impossible to care about them, but I pray that he gives you a new perspective on them. I hope he helps you see them differently. Man, I got that. This time when I read this story, I don't know how many times I've read this story. You know, I've preached it before. I said before, you know, loving like the good Samaritan starts with choosing who you relate to in this story. I can see myself in every one of these people in here. This time, God said to me, though, God spoke to me. He said, you're like the priest. <laughs> no, Lord, right? He said, sometimes you do good stuff. You teach the Bible. You give. You give good gifts. You serve. You care for the people you love. You're good with the mile one stuff, but what about the mile two stuff? What about the people you don't love? What about the people that you like to avoid, right? What about the people that have rejected you, have rejected this church, right? Those people are done. We, we tried with them. That's my list. That's mile one. No. said James you got to come with me. We got to get in the ditch and get dirty, right? I said okay, but I'm not touching no naked guy in there. that was a joke? So I'm like, okay, I'll try harder. And he said trying harder doesn't work. Right? You can't be motivated by guilt or trying harder. It doesn't work for long. It, it just wears out. There's some mean, ugly people, and sometimes you're going to think that they don't deserve the help. Help would be wasted on them. So you can't just try harder because you won't want to help those type of people. So what do you do? He said, let me remind you of something. So he that said, guy, that guy in the ditch was you, Right? One time you were the guy in the road and I saw you naked. I saw you full of shame. I saw you beaten and half dead. Right? I remember being there. I remember a point all alone. I remember him coming down, picking me up in my brokenness. Right? I remember him taking my shame. I remember him taking me to that inn, putting me in this church. I remember how the church responded with nothing but grace being a family that loves you right and I remember he paid the price and I remember what it cost him and I remember continually screwing up but he paid the price for it all right I remember that do you? I mean, do you remember the first time you realized that the God of the universe even saw you? Do you remember the first time that you realized that he loved you, that he has compassion for you? Do you remember the first time that you learned he came down? Do you remember that just overwhelming you to the point of saying, man, I just want to serve you? I just want to give you my life, right? Do you remember realizing that even though it cost him everything? He still picked you up in the brokenness. Do you remember him not piling on shame when you deserved it? I do. Here's the big thing that he revealed to me. Those people in the ditch have wounds that look like our scars. Those people in the ditch have wounds that look like our scars. And when we see that, and we realize that they're where we once were, we can't help but try and reach out to them, try and get them to know this Jesus Christ that changed our life, man. We can't help but testify, hey, you got to meet Jesus. Because he met me when I was in a place just like you, and he totally changed my life. He totally flipped it upside down, right? He's given me purpose. He's given me direction. He's healed me. He's removed the shame. He's removed the brokenness, right? Let me introduce you to Jesus. And if they slap you in the face, they spit on you. I don't care because I wouldn't want somebody to give up on me when I was in that ditch, right? I'm going to keep coming back because I care about you, because I see myself in you, right? That's what we're called to do. Mile two types of people. Mile two types of love. Only That only comes, not from guilt, not from trying harder. It only comes from remembering what Christ did for you and wanting somebody else to experience that. That has to be our motivation. Mile two goes beyond what's expected. Takes another slap in the face because it's worth it. Because we don't give up on people. Because God doesn't give up on us. I'm not a good Samaritan, right? I'm just the guy in the ditch at one time that found the good Samaritan. And he changed my life. He set me free. And I want you to find him too. I want us as a church, right, to go looking for people in the ditch. I want us to recognize when, that, when God puts that weird circumstance where we just happen to meet somebody in a bathroom at a movie theater. I want us to reach out to them. I want us to pray for them. I want us to introduce them to our Lord and Savior, to the one who changed our life, to the one who redeemed us, right? That's your purpose. That's your purpose. You know what your purpose is in life. Share your testimony to lead people to Christ, man. And no matter what else is going on in your life, that can give you peace. Mile two is messy. It comes from a slap across the face, right? Across the face. It comes with people taking stuff from you, taking advantage of you, taking advantage of your goodwill. But maybe, just maybe, you get to experience them coming to know Christ. And maybe then it's all worth it. It is. It will be, right? All the slaps in the face, all the times that somebody's hurt you, then it's worth it. Would you stand with me? Got a great call on each and every one of our lives to be mild to type of people to reach for the lost we've got a great calling as a church to bring those people into our church right so that they can heal that's what this place has to be so that they can heal so they can hear the truth right we tell people the truth we just do it with a whole lot of grace because we knew we were once the people that needed to hear that as well. What could be better? What could be a better use of your time than somebody coming to find Christ, coming to have their life flipped upside down? I know there are people that you want to avoid. Would you see them differently? Would you see them through the lens of the cross? I know you got your list of reasons why to avoid people right? Good reasons. They hurt you. They've done horrible things. But can you just take that list and look at it through the cross, right? And lay it down. Lay it down. Who, who are the people, would you make a list? Who are the people that you can't stand and start praying for them? Praying for their salvation, praying for an opportunity to interact with them, even though they're jerks, right? Pray for God's grace to be all over you. Pray for your eyes to see them as as God sees them, right? Pray, pray Pray for that moment where you realize that what these people are dealing with, you once dealt with too. And that can be your testimony to them about what Christ did when you were in the ditch. Amen? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for today. Lord, would you, would you do that? Would you put people on our paths this very day, this very week, this very month that we can invest in, that we can love on, that we can share the truth with? Lord, Lord, don't let us hide. Don't let us shy away from the truth and think we're doing anybody any help, right? There is a hell. There are things that lead away from God, right? But Father, help us to share those things with a whole lot of grace, Help us to tell people that there is a God who loves you even though you're broken, even though you're naked, even though you feel this shame. There's a God who loves you. There's a God who came down and died for you. And that if you'll just give him your life, he'll flip your life upside down. He'll totally rearrange it. Father, I pray if there's anybody in here who doesn't know you right now, maybe they're listening online, maybe they're gonna watch this video 10 years from now, Holy Spirit, be all over these people. Father, I pray that they would come to know you, that they would want you in their life. I pray that they would believe that there is a God who loves them, there is a God who died for them, and that they'd surrender their lives to you. I pray that they would confess you as Lord and Savior of their lives. I pray that you would use their testimony to reach other people. Lord, help them to surrender it all, like those little kids that we heard about. Father, let that be all of us. Here's our lives. If it takes getting slapped in the face, if it takes getting sued, whatever it does, Lord, if we can lead somebody to Christ, if we can be a part of what you're doing, let it be, Lord. Father, we just love you and we give you all praise. In your name we pray. Amen.
1: Thank you.